Welcome to the Craft of Writing podcast with me, your host, Sam Hall. Hello and welcome back to the Craft of Writing podcast. Today on the show, I have the lovely Izzy Winter with me. Uh, I first met Izzy at the Vault Festival this year where I'd written some music for a play that Izzy's partner was working on. Uh, And then afterwards, we got chatting about writing and music. uh, And I went away and checked out some of their stuff online and and really loved it. Um, Izzy's show, My Sister Is Missing, recently ran at the King's Head Theatre in London. So great reviews. And as well as writing for musical theatre, Izzy is also a singer-songwriter and released a beautiful EP last year called For When I Sleep. So it's an absolute pleasure to be chatting to Izzy now. Oh, that's so nice. What a welcome. That's the that's the loveliest <laughs> intro ever, I think. Um, you've done your research. Um, yeah, it's been a bit of a weird time. I mean, I only started, I only graduated last, in, in like the summer of 2022. So it's been a bit of a whirlwind and I'm very much still at the beginning of that journey. But it's been a really exciting 12 months and I think it's gone a bit weirdly fast in some aspects. And so um, I feel like I'm still catching up with everything that's happened. I told you it's the first time in my life that my heart finally ran clean. And now it's starting to bleed again. Again. So let's talk about a little bit more about your journey up to now. Um, how did you start and how did you get into music and theatre and all those things? So I have spent a lot of my life not knowing what to choose to kind of fully pursue. And I think when you're growing up, I think it's and still I still speak to people in the industry who say this, that you absolutely, absolutely need to choose one avenue to pursue. And in school, I feel like it's the same. They say, oh, you could be this or you could be this. And there's never like, oh, you could be like a multi-hyphenate and, you know, make your career doing lots of different things. Um, but at school, very sort of classic story, always gravitated towards music and the arts, kind of lived for the school shows. I was very lucky. I went to a state school that had put, like had a big budget aside for school musicals each year. And I lived for that. And I think in some ways like through mental health challenges in school I kind of like it was the only thing that I felt sometimes was getting me like into the into the school I mean literally my attendance was five percent by the time I got to sixth form and it was the one thing that was keeping me in and I it was weird I was originally gonna do music and composition at university and I was gonna I was applying for places like Guildhall and some of the the big the big dogs and I remember I was at a Guildhall open day and um it was like a ridiculous moment in a movie and I'm not making this up but it sounds like I I am I remember walking down the corridor going to the music open day and there was this big sign one way that said music and a big sign the other way that said acting and I just in entirely on instinct was like fuck it oh actually I should check am I allowed to swear on this podcast yeah you can swear that's an amazing <laughs> story I love that. <laughs> so I was like fuck it I'm gonna go to the acting open day and Again, I, I, I chose to do that. I auditioned for acting for a year, didn't get in anywhere, which is very classic. And then applied musical theatre the next year. Because again, I was like, I kind of want to do singing. I kind of want to do acting. And I was like, I can continue writing. As it was something, I always loved like writing, um, be it like music or... I would had the idea of like starting to write bits of script, but I think it was more in po- the form of poetry at that time. 
and yeah I mean did a BA in musical theatre at London College of Music during the pandemic so that was all three years interrupted by Covid graduated um yeah I mean to graduate I instead of doing a third third year production my second one I opted instead to write the first version of My Sister Is Missing um and that is how the sort of the 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 yeah the story began I guess amazing and so what was the journey from doing it in a educational environment and then to getting it you know in a London venue I um it never really happened in an educational environment for various reasons I like dropped out of the the show and all, all I was told is that I had to do some sort of singing performance assessment to graduate right um but me being me I was like okay like I have about a month until this deadline comes around I was like okay um this is a really good opportunity to like write something you know I've written music forever I've had I've written some short films I've written you know I was like why fuck it why not I'm just gonna um try and write a short musical you know an hour long musical in about a month developed quite a big nicotine addiction um so they gave me like a little a little they said I could there was a little like almost like abandoned cupboard slash little tiny studio with like that when it rained the water would come through the ceiling but my head of year said that I could come there every day and do some writing so that was my space um yeah I didn't have any like they didn't give me any fee or anything to like or they didn't give me any space at the uni so it was down to me to sort of go okay I'm gonna find a theatre to put it on so I'd just done my sort of first I guess semi-professional job it was a scratch night of new plays that was going on at the Penn Theatre and um, I got to know the producer who was running it and yeah I, they brought My Sister Is Missing on for their like the first pre for its first preview um, and then we did two performances at the Drayton Arms so I just sort of my, my way is just sort of if you don't know just do some ballsy emailing and just see what happens and so that the, the Drayton Arms one was my assessment so again, it was in an educational setting in that I based some of my dissertation off it and I used that crusty little cupboard to write the first version of it. You know, I had to write, I think the music in about two weeks. I had about three weeks to write the script. And I, you know, the first, I was, I was impressed because it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the best version the show could be. Um, but so yeah, that happened. Some really exciting people came along, again, sent off some ballsy emails to um, my di- now director, Georgie Rankham, and um, movement director, William Spencer. And they came along and they liked it, I think. And they uh, agreed to come on board at some point down the line. Um, and yeah, I, I did a pitch for Beam at the other palace and they offered us, uh, we didn't get, beam but I got offered some like in-kind space with the other palace I think they like do amazing things and supporting like new musical theatre in their studio space um and yeah we we workshop the show in November there and then Tanya got in touch I don't know she was like I've heard of you and I was like through the mystical grapevine and yeah we did my sister's missing at the king's head for a week it was yeah it's been a bit yeah and yeah I'd say probably about 50%, maybe 60% of the show is different to what it was at its first performance at the Drayton Arms, mm. as it should, you know. A, a musical yeah. that's written in a month isn't going to be your, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, perfection. Mm. 
We should also say that you also starred in the piece as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's a one-person <laughs> musical, a mystery musical uh, that... Yeah, because I had to do the performance. People always ask, like, why? So why did you, why why do you do all these things? You know, what do you hate yourself? You know, did you to decide <laughs> to write it? at that stage? I was you know kind of self directing because I didn't have any budget and I didn't want to make people work for free. Had my friend who was like a film tech doing the tech. It was very very humble beginnings. Um, yeah, and I was like, well, I have to do a performance to graduate. So yeah, I, I had to be in the piece. That sounds- and I didn't want to, yeah, I couldn't afford any more actors. So it was going to be a one person piece. Set my parameters quite small <laughs> and was like, okay, creatively, what can I imagine to sort of fill those parameters? And then my sister's missing emerged. <laughs> I'll let myself fade. Take it away. All that I am. All that makes me so much to bear. Make me like you. Make me the same. Tell me the words that I should use Keep me running Keep me running Far from my world So I am um, neurodivergent I have ADHD and I'm also like currently seeking a diagnosis for autism and also I am non-binary which are two identities that intersect within the piece my sister is missing um the character i wrote the character for myself and i was like the the non-binary stuff is very incidental representation um the the gender stuff is kind of the words non-binary aren't mentioned at all so the only reference to the character's gender are in a couple of like comments that are made from other characters very much in passing that are kind of if you didn't know you probably wouldn't necessarily know because i i'm kind of fed up of you know, a, a, when someone's a character's trans or, or gay, the whole story has to be about that journey or that. And there's definitely, again, there's definitely a space for those stories. But I was like, I'd really like to have it just a character be implicitly represented. That that facet of themselves is incidental because there's bigger things going on in the story that are drawing their focus. Um, the neurodivergence is definitely something that impacts that character's journey more. Um, so. Basil is trying to locate their their missing sister and um, amongst all of that um, they're also navigating their life as someone who's neurodivergent and that impacts the way that they live their everyday life and has impacted the way that they have had relationships with their family and a lot of that has been lifted from my own experiences not necessarily autobiographically but like coming back to feelings of you know it's quite common feelings for the what it is like to be growing up as someone who's neurodivergent in this current system where there isn't support and well especially when I was younger like loads of like um girls and AFAB people were just completely like slipping under the radar and just not being diagnosed and parents weren't given support and they weren't given the right vocabulary to be able to deal with it um, and I think for me, like the things that I took from my own experience were those feelings of like isolation, isolation, loneliness, rejection. Um, and I mean, I'm really selling the show. It sounds like an absolute happy blast, but um, sort of, yeah, <laughs> took those <laughs> took those things and packaged that into the character and the story and how and why it affects the journey that Basil goes on. Um, but I think in terms of within myself, I think... I, I have an issue with people generalizing 
neurodivergence and being like, oh, it's, it's a super, it's a superpower though, isn't it? It's a superpower. Um, because you don't get me wrong. There are definitely positives in which like, I'm, I'm glad that I have ADHD and potentially other things, um, which, you know, for example, like I'm very, um, I'm very passionate and hyper fixate and incredibly direct and, um, I feel music and sound in a very visceral way because of my sensory problems um, that, you know, mean that going on a tube can sometimes be, like, physically very painful. Um, In terms of when I'm writing, like, physically, I get, like, you know, I can feel it in my body when things feel right. And I have a really... I didn't realise that not everyone had this until a couple of years ago, that when I listen to music you know, I'll feel it in my shoulders or I'll feel it in my back and my neck and it will feel just like this radiating or these sort of shivers or um, it, it feel, when I say that songs on choices that I'm making feel right, it almost feels right in my body. So I think I think that comes from the neurodivergence and stuff. So I, I'm, a, I'm appreciative that that's there, but it definitely does add barriers in other ways. And right now I think the transness probably more than anything adds barriers because I think people are rightfully getting scared about maybe potential harassment that they might get about being very visibly pro-trans people or, um, you know, casting trans people in things or platforming trans art, I think. Whereas I think even two years ago, it wasn't seen as, as much as... It, sorry, two years ago, it just wasn't seen as much of a political statement as it is now. I think obviously there's so much tension up against words like queer, pride, LGBT, like even from the mainstream media now, I think it's starting to get a bit hairy. So I'm hoping that we'll come through the other end on that. But I think in my own life, it definitely impacts things. And don't get me wrong, like there are certain things in terms of like, there's lots of things where they're looking specifically for um, trans or neurodivergent or like diverse creatives to come on board things. So I'm sure that works in my advantage in those sorts of situations. But I think day to day, I'm I'm feeling more and more of a hesitance to platform work from artists like me or, or other artists in the industry because it's seen as increasingly controversial, which is a shame because if you were to come and see My Sister Is Missing, it is a mystery musical that I think most people could take something from, I think as a piece, like disabled representation aside, I think it's really accessible in that I've had people from all sorts of different generations really resonate with the character and the piece. I think a lot of people who have just struggled with difficult childhoods or feeling lonely or feeling different or too much, I think can take things away. Uh, So I think, you know, there's a lot more to us than just scary radical, trans activists as they like to call us these days falling over in the garden playing fairies in the park spilling milkshake on the sofa that's what missing's all about making pancakes on a sunday hide and seek and dressing up teaching me to tie my laces telling me i'm good Everyone is gone. You're okay, you're all 
So let's talk about how you use harmony and how you make up the chordal components for your writing. Um, so I, I, I play piano well enough to get me by. You know, it's, it's slightly better than chords, but it's not going to be anything. I'm not going to give you any cr- crazy classical concertos. But um, <laughs> I, so yeah, so I start sort of very basically either with um, lyric based ideas or emotional ideas, or I know sort of point, my point A to B in a song, and sometimes it will just be a feeling. Um, or a motivation that will bring me to the piano. I know that sounds really wanky, but it, 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 that's the only way I can describe it. Um, and I don't have a technical background at all. I think they try to teach me sh- how to read sheet music in advanced recorders in year five. And that didn't go down well because they kind of realized that I was just listening to what everyone else was doing and copying. And it was the same with my keyboard teacher. Um, just sort of listened and copied. Um, I wonder if it's like this sort of slight ADHD run of refusal to like do things in, in traditional ways or to have some sort of like aversion to being told what to do by the sheet music and wanting to go off on my own sort of course or just, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I've always, I've always taken to things by ear. And so I will have an idea in my head often. I will, I might hum something and record it on my phone. Um, and it often starts really basically. So I will just sort of play around until I find a chord progression that feels right. Um, if I'm thinking, okay, like I might take some influences. So for certain songs, I might go, okay, I want this song to feel a bit like Victoria Wood meets Sondheim meets, you know. Um, and yeah, I will have a listen to how those songs come together. And then I will sort of take myself into that place when I, I'm improvising around things on the keyboard. I'll often just record bits that seem to be working. Um, I think, you know, I use quite a lot of like, I like a classic like sus too. I think that's like very MT, right? Mm-hmm. And I and yeah. it, it's hard because like, I couldn't tell you that's like, oh yes, right now I feel like it needs to be a second inversion or right now I think it, <laughs> it really feels like it needs to be like a, a seventh chord or like a, I, I completely respect that way of doing things. And I think in some ways it's it's cleverer than the way that I do it. But it ends, I end up with those, I could tell you what I've done, but I can't necessarily tell you what I am planning to do. Um, or, and I, I don't know, I, I'd like to learn maybe to also approach it from a more technical standpoint, because I think it's important, especially in the world of musicals to look at the rule book, sorry, to look at the rule book, to understand the rule book and then like disregard bits that you don't want to use. Um, I feel at the moment that I'm still somewhat ambling around um, learning how to get it right and making it sound right. I think maybe there's definitely something to be said about appreciating the technical aspects of MT. Um, But yeah, for now, I will take a specific genre or specific pieces or find specific emotion or just really focus in terms of if it's a agitated song um like for example at the end of my sister is missing we've got a song called all that i am um the the stakes are really high it's a, a meltdown moment for the character um and i was thinking okay how does that feel in my body how does that make me feel how does that make my body move you know as someone who's neurodivergent like that might make me like stim in a particular way it might make me be rocking or like 
bringing my hands out again and how would that sort of feel or manifest itself in the instrumental so I'll start with piano and for my sister is missing um because of just again financial reasons and it was easy I created the backing tracks myself so I originally just like orchestrated it so I just sort of taught myself how I went as I went again um when I was trying to graduate um, I was like, okay, I've got like a month. I'm going to try and learn how to use these softwares. Um, not massively successfully the first time round, but by this time round, I think I got the hang of it a bit more. Um, but I think, yeah, it comes, the harmony and those things just purely come from ideas or sensations or goals or influences rather than that technical place. That was a really long and rambling explanation that's for that. That's great. That's brilliant. I think it's interesting. I think 90% of the people I interview have all said the same thing, that they never approach harmony and writing from a technical perspective. It's always analysing what they've done afterwards when it comes to sort of harmonic stuff. So yeah, I'd say you're bang on. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it's good to know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to ask a couple questions that I had. No, no, I'm not accusing anyone, I swear, yet. But what I'm trying to get is anyone could be a threat and all I want to do is find out that she's safe. Yet, did she sleep with any men? Just wait, I need to grab my pen and please go slow with all the names and can you spell them? Don't tell me that it's gossip. No, I need to know the facts. I'm sure it's fine considering the circumstances. So how do you approach writing lyrics? Um, so I don't have a set structure in which I or order in which I write. Um, so sometimes the music will come first and then I will form the lyrics around it. And sometimes the lyrics will come first. Um, sometimes the melody as well. And like I say, I'll hum into my, often it will come to me when I've just woken up in the morning or when I'm going to bed, I'll find like voice notes where I'm just sounding really like gross and, and sort of, <laughs> yeah, sort of like some sort of Doctor Who creature. Just and I'll often listen in the morning and be like, well, what was that meant to be? But um, <laughs> for lyrics, um, I think the general place is that often like chords or like really basic chords, they tend to come first. Um, and again, I kind of would describe writing music as it feels very mathematical to me, even though I'm absolutely crap at maths. It feels like there is a right and a wrong way or like a some writer ways and wrong ways that the song could be on like I'm basically standing on like a path and it's like spitting off and I'm having to choose the options for the words or for the chords or for whatever that that fit the direction that I want to go it does feel like there is it's like okay it's like puzzle solving I'm trying to find the right thing and I, I think you can always make it better you know there's like you're always heading off in the right direction but there does feel to be like some options I'll go like no that's wrong that's wrong that's wrong um and I think for lyrics I'll end up sometimes I write completely free and I'll come to the piano especially from my like singer songwriter perspective if I'm not writing for a specific piece or a show I will just come to the piano with whatever really strong emotion I'm sitting with sometimes I'll just it will feel like a way of expressing those thoughts um and the lyrics will just come almost like spoken word from my brain like I'll have phrases that will jump out at me and I'll write them down and sort of think okay what am I trying to say in this paragraph or sometimes it will just come out of me um and then I'll go back and tweak I think usually 
when I was younger, I think they tended to be much more metaphorical. And I think there was something to be said about when I was writing my singer songwriter stuff, a lot of it was around, like I was like closeted as queer and things like that. And so I wrote in a lot of metaphor because I wasn't open about who I was. Whereas now as a singer songwriter, I think I, I think I'm a bit more, a bit more precise with lyrics and a bit more honest because I think I have less to hide as a person, which is nice. Um, cause I used to do things like I'd go back and I'd go change pronouns in the songs and, you know, make things so shrouded in metaphors. So people couldn't work out that songs were about them because, you know, sometimes it feels like you're taking someone's permission away from them when you're featuring them in a song or a moment or a scene. But I think lyrics are a bit easier in some ways when you're writing for a character um, because although you're often basing it on places and states you've been, um, like been in emotionally or things you've witnessed in other people or imaginings, it's, it's from an entirely different context unless you're writing an autobiographical piece. Um, and I think that's easier because those characters, you can choose what they have to hide then. Because I think every, obviously every person has things that they are hiding from the audience that is others, whether that be the audience that sat at the other end of the stage or if it's the audience of the conversation. So I think that's fun. I enjoy lyrically thinking, okay, at what point, how vulnerable are we being? How much is behind, you know, maybe that's where we find the space for metaphor. Maybe they're using metaphor when they can't speak truthfully, you know, choosing moments in lyrics when people lie, I think as well, that that's really fun. Did I cover everything? Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where, where do you stand on um, sort of perfect rhymes and imperfect rhymes? Do you feel there's a, a set way of doing things or do you do a bit of both? What do you think? I don't think it needs to rhyme. I kind of don't like pieces that feel like it's almost compulsory to rhyme everything. Again, I don't really think, it, I don't really choose, it just sort of happens a lot of the time. Um, sorry, I'm just putting my water down. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really necessarily choose with rhymes and I don't necessarily have an opinion. All I know is that I've definitely seen other people's pieces where I've gone, oh my God, like, it feels like it feels almost like the easy way out sometimes is is choosing just to rhyme all the time or like multiple times even within like a phrase um because i'm like you know your your choices are quite limited and so i i don't always think it's the right option i think rhymes used purposefully and sparingly is cleverer and i think sometimes more impactful than just being like, okay, like, obviously that is what we have to do for the structure. But then you'll definitely find some songs of mine where I will just rhyme throughout and then some songs that barely rhyme at all. They might just rhyme at the right at the end of the phrase. I think it's, it's, it's a nice thing to do to bring emphasis or to connect thoughts and also to bookend things. But I, I yeah, I think it can feel like cheesy if it's too rhymey, definitely. I think certainly if if the rhyme's too predictable, it can feel very forced. It's it's so interesting. It's it's divided so many different people on this podcast. There's so many different sort of schools of thought around it. Some people are so like, nope, everything must it must be a perfect rhyme, and then 
others are sort of I think for, I think it's actually it's it's people that are from the slightly more singer songwriter song singer songwriter world feel less strongly about perfect rhyme, which is interesting. Well, I don't see the rules in the same way, and I think that's that's why I think some people have come out of seeing my sister is missing and have quite a strong reaction, positive or negative. I've definitely had people who just don't get it, and they mm. don't because it doesn't play by the rules of what they know. Um, because in all honesty, when I wrote it, I wasn't, you know, I've learned a lot in a year even. I wasn't as aware of the rule book as I am now. Um, I've had people tell me that I need to go away and learn how to write a musical before I do it or like go and do these training courses and being quite patronising. And sometimes I just ask, I, I ask I understand why things need to be thought and I understand why if we need to have an understanding of structure but I I don't know why we always have to work in this fixed way I think plays are better at being more free than musicals are I think we give plays a lot more freedom to just be and to sit in more abstract and unusual places whereas with musicals I think People are very specific about when you should have a certain type of song and why. And I understand that because I think, you know, there's a there's a cleverness and there's an understanding of how it makes audience members feel. And audience members like familiarity. Do you know what I mean? They don't want to feel like, oh my God, like what have I walked into? I don't understand. And they feel a bit panicked and they're like, I can't follow this. But so I think it's a combination, right? It's Well, it's like the, the probably the most successful British musical at the moment is Six. And that is a a wild structure and form compared to if you look at the traditional musicals. It's it's such a it, you know it did break a mold, um, but again, as you said earlier, I think it's it's good to know the rules and then be able to break them sort of later on. A hundred percent. Think. I think maybe I'd like to sit in that middle ground between six, who I think are just are like definitely doing what they're doing well. Um, I'd like to sit maybe somewhere in the middle of listening to both sides, um, mm. which is rare because I'm usually like super opinionated about things, I think. So <laughs> I want to be the like diplomat and being like, <laughs> I want to listen to everybody. I want to hear that, but I also want to like push the boundary a little bit. So how do you approach writing melodies for your songs? I have a feeling that most of my answers are going to be quite similar to your questions. <laughs> um, with melody, um, again, it's relatively instinctive. So it's it, I will just hum about around chords and around lyrics. And, and often I will have a melody before I... And then I... I will write the lyrics around the melody. So I'll feel how many syllables it feel, feels it needs to be or how many, I'll feel where the beats are and where I want the words to sit. Um, I think apart from that, it's very similar to my other answers, but the thing that I think I do maybe a bit differently to the convention of MT or like what the convention of, I think it's really shifted, right? So we've got like the musicals like Six and a lot of other, 
big shows that are sitting in a much more like commercial poppy place that are doing really cool things but are quite different to the world that I think I sit in um I and I've always I'd like this with my singer songwriter stuff too I my verses my first verse and other verses that go along like rarely have the same melody they'll they'll be based around the first melody but they will develop unless I think there's a really specific reason why this character is sitting and like you know we don't say the same things twice or three times very often in real life so I think if the character is saying something the same way multiple times it has to be because they're really ruminating on on something and it's I think usually when we're onto a next verse it's because the character's developing and changing and it feels natural and more interesting that the melody should too and also I I get bored writing I'm like they don't want to hear the same thing um and the same with my choruses the lyrics tend to change chorus to chorus and even in choruses I will tend to alter things a little bit to keep it more live or or sometimes I, I won't have something that is a fixed chorus um I'll work in a more sort of like thematic way so we'll have moments that with my sister is missing we have um certain themes that recur uh throughout like and motifs that that come back as as the piece moves on and you with the final piece it's almost like a one day more it's not a one day more but in that sort of structurally (laughs) sort of um uh sort of frankenstein's frankenstein's monster of um different different songs that we've heard and and motifs and themes um but I think that risks, and it's something that like reviewers have said as well about Sister, and I would imagine we'll say about other shows that I write in future. So maybe it's worth pe- playing their game a little bit and being a bit more repetitive. But I think people will probably say that the songs aren't memorable because there isn't that sort of hummable motif in the songs. Um, some sort of catchy chorus um, which shows like six for example do so well of of those moments that come back and back and back relying on like pop structure um, which again I don't want to be one of those people who just sits here and like shades those types of musical because I do think there is a place for them and their audiences and um, I think what they do they do very well but I think I could probably predict that that's what people will will continue to say about my work unless I pander to that I change that element of the way that I write but I think maybe that's the actor in me who's going but why would I deliver that line twice in the same way you know unless it's what why would if I if why not make it easier for the actor by writing something that feels entirely transformative because in acting it's always more interesting to up the stakes and with writing as well right you want to make you want to bring things to the highest degrees so you can the character can fall the furthest or you know um can climb the furthest i guess um so that's how i write lyrics and also was it melody it was melody we're talking about sorry that's how i write um melody and yeah I, I'm I'm questioning whether that should change because that was the main thing that like reviewers picked up on and I'm very interested in listening to feedback but I also think I absorb it too much I don't think um so yeah that's that's my question to to myself <laughs> maybe do, do I 
is it okay to continue having that developmental thing and have themes and motifs be memorable and because that's what I think again coming back to Benjamin Button that's what that did so well is I think they had the time motif and stuff like that that came that threaded throughout the piece maybe that's that's what I should push more on I, I don't know it's we'll see there's so many there's so many different ways I guess you could you could run me to that yeah um, and do you want do I want it, to pander to the critics or you know that's the other questions yeah well yeah uh, some people feel very strongly that they like so I think Matt Harvey episode two he he was saying that the main thing he wants is people to come out of his shows and sing sing the songs and like and remember the songs um that's that's his his goal I think because I don't know it's just just having those strong melodies is really important but it's yeah it's whether it serves the story if you can do both I think that's probably the best thing if it makes sense dramaturgically but also you've got a you know it stays in your ear it's only going to be a, a good thing I think I want I, I think yeah commercially it's a great thing because it's it sells it sells albums and cast recordings but I don't know if I've ever thought about like that writing for I know that sounds ridiculous because that's the absolute mm. purpose of a lot of songwriting is to have people sing with you but I guess I've never really I think there's again like a compl- I really respect that perspective because it makes a lot of sense um career-wise and also in (laughs) in certain musicals and certain pieces to have that connection with the audience but I think especially in Sister the character is so lonely and that is the crux of everything that they are and I think there's only there's one number in which I intentionally it is what it is a number where people will be humming it on the way home but all the others I guess I didn't consider it at all um yeah it's it's something I'm definitely thinking a lot about at the moment. I was in a masterclass with Claude Michel Schoenberg and um, he was criticising um, one of the teams because they wrote melodies that were very similar to human speech. And he sort of said, if you really want to do that, why don't you just write a play? I guess <laughs> I, I, complete, I completely agree with that. And I think that's in some ways where I struggle with, is it Corridor songs where you're sort of mm. a lot of really conversational songs so for example like will you like my candle in rent i i yeah. songs that are yeah like that could i'm like well this could well be a scene i don't know what we're gaining mm. from it being musical but i guess if you dissect everything like that and i feel that this way with dram- dramaturgy sometimes i think if we go so analytical about everything we lose some of the liveness and the excitement and some of the silliness that just comes with d- making theatre. Sometimes yeah. you can just have a moment that is just a bit silly and it's the character playing and it doesn't have to be, every line doesn't have to be read into and dissected like GCSE poetry. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I think it's like a balance. I think it's, I, I do agree with that. and I But I think maybe that's when we find really expansive melodies and we, we decide... I don't think every song should be a hummable tune, but maybe there should always be some hummable tunes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like a balance. Hundred percent. I've gone yeah. on about melody for so long, but it's because that's where my brain is at it's... at the moment. Phrase <laughs> that I'm still feeling pain when I can't start to talk. And how do I say that I'm missing dead friends without scaring? So here comes the bitchy question. What don't you like about new musical theatre writing? Uh, and maybe 
just the the industry in general at the moment it's a really hard one because i think there is a reason for most things to exist and whereas like personally my taste doesn't necessarily extend to like very overly pop style musical theater um there's definitely like an audience and a, a place for it and i think at the moment and if any musical th- new musical theater is being platformed in this country it's a good thing it's a positive for every single one of us um unless it does a like terrible job or like bring something terrible to the plate do you know what i mean but generally <laughs> i think it's opening doors for the rest of us and there's people who will enjoy that and i don't want to say be all snobby about it because i think again there's definite skill and craft that comes to those things as well i'd also say that like my instinct would also to be like theater that is written purely to be commercial i have an issue with um but again if it's getting bums on seats post covid who am i really to like as an actor who am i really to like complain because that gives casting opportunities so i guess i'm it's, it's a complicated answer i think maybe with the industry the only things i struggle with are firmly just people who believe that there is one right way and that things should be done i think we're in a really exciting place to be expansive and to push boundaries and to you know fail and to allow things and characters to be imperfect and to not get things right and to have things be works in progress um i think even within um like the trans community i'd love to see more examples where people are allowed to bring out um we you know imperfect trans characters and have that not be a statement against trans people like i'd really as long as trans people are like somewhere behind in that like that process in some way um i think it's interesting to to find that space of where we can be a bit more daring and see how far we can it's like the whole fleabag phoebe waller bridge thing right it's like how far can we create a character that ultimately is doing some really bad things but we still want to go with them um i think people worry that if you're creating a character that has those elements to them that it's suggesting that it's the transness that is the inherently bad thing about it whereas actually i think the more we make our characters complex and allow them to not just you know i don't want people to to come and see shows that I write and be like, think that they're trying to represent whole communities. I think it's important that we allow, and I've had this in feedback before where people have said, oh, this doesn't represent me or this doesn't this doesn't feel authentic to me. But the point is, if it's coming from an authentic place, it's, it's, it's coming from complex, authentic people um, who have lots to them and, you know, or, everyone has is is more than just one identity on a card so i think in general i think the the areas of the industry that i struggle with is is the the limiting close-minded ones that often come from a place of either like if it's you know from marginalized identity it comes from a place of like fear or trauma but from the general industry as a whole i think it comes from like close-mindedness and a fear that like things won't sell so i'd like it I'd love for people to take, it's a horrible, I I can't say, I don't have loads of money, but I'd love it if people were to take more risks at the moment and allow theatre to be in development um, for maybe longer. I think 
producers seem to be looking for like instant hits and i think sometimes it's nice to allow things to change but but also i I want to say i'm like less i'm just about a year into my career so i'm sure that like if you were to interview me in six months time or in six years or you know 30 years that my opinion will change and that i don't necessarily know whether i know enough about musical theatre or the industry to like condemn whole sections um but I just think I'd like maybe more sense like more kindness in general and more openness to push things that we've accepted as like the pillars of musical theatre for a very long time. Izzy thank you so much for chatting with me today it was really wonderful to talk uh, and great to hear about all your your projects and theories uh, it's yeah it's been great thank you. Thank you very much for having me it's been lovely um yeah to just just talk and ramble for an hour probably has it been an hour about an hour (laughs) yeah bloody hell well well done if you've got all the way through it